Hello everybody and welcome back to the Hunting Couple Podcast with TJ and Judy Wood. Hey guys! It has been a little while since you've heard from both of us and we're going to try to record a couple of these things to kind of have on cue so that uh, you don't go such a long stretch. But we appreciate everybody that has stuck with us and listened to what we've been able to put out. We've enjoyed it. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. So before we kind of went dark... Uh, I put out something on my social media that asked for suggestions from you guys, what you'd like to hear about from us, and uh, we got a lot of great suggestions, several of them that we might need to get a guest involved on because we're probably not subject matter experts, and some of them that we can probably speak to. Uh, What we've chosen to talk about today is a lot of fun for us, and you can find all kinds of information from all walks of life and probably some more specific information than we're going to be able to give but I feel like we both have a passion for this so it should be all right but uh, what are we talking about today? Um, I already forgot what the post was but I can already tell you that I would like to start off with um, I hope I'm speaking loud enough and that I'm not hitting the mic too <laughs> but so day before yesterday, I decided that I was going to go shoot TJ's longbow. I absolutely love to shoot his longbow. I've had a lot of fun with it. She has her own recurve, by the way, but she chooses my longbow. Yeah, I just really, really enjoy shooting his longbow. So, um, anyways, I decided I kind of got a little cocky because I have almost hit a few collared doves with with the um, or Eurasian collared dove with his longbow. So I got a little cocky and I was probably about 20 yards and I was just going to shoot the big buck target that we have. Well, I pulled back, let it go, and I almost put myself to the ground because I had slapped my arm so hard. It's been a little while since you've done that. Wow. You just really forget sometimes about just the basics of archery. <laughs> so to yeah, to drive home that was I, I think I understood what you were saying, but you're you've been shooting at doves, so that's a smaller target. Yes. And so you were pretty confident that you were just gonna put one in the middle of the deer target. Yes, yeah. I mean hundred percent. Like I had all the confidence in the world. But my problem was is I forgot with the longbow you kinda have to like pocket to the side. I don't know, TJ can do the better terminology for that, but I shot it up and down like a, a crossbow. Compound. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like been a long hand. day, guys. <laughs> it's Friday, thank goodness. But, uh, so my longbow is got a, it has a shelf and we shoot it off the shelf and it is what they call cut to center. So, uh, imagine if, if you're not familiar with traditional archery if you're looking at like where an arrow rest goes or the shelf or the sight window of a compound it's cut past center so you can actually put the center of your arrow shaft right down the middle and uh, that's not the case with this so the string and alignment and everything aligns with the edge the inside edge of the sight window so that's where she's talking about the cant of the bow comes in handy. You can shoot it up and down, but it, it's kind of tough because it basically is projecting your arrow off to the left. 
and uh, that's why spine of an arrow is so important on traditional archery because your arrow actually has to come out and kind of bend around the sight window for that archer's paradox and there's some different methods to that madness but we keep it pretty simple and just kind of camp the bow over and find an arrow that flies good and straight so that's where she's talking about exactly and i mean even got to think about it i mean how many of us have actually like slapped our arm not just on longbows but on compounds um i honestly can't tell anybody the last time that i slapped my like forearm on a compound but i know i've done it i can tell you i don't think we've told this story on here yet and maybe we're not ready to 100 percent but uh i remember your release failing on your first archery deer and yeah, no, you slapped I, your arm and your leg on that one which well, it wasn't I, your fault no we've told that story remember okay bow blew up tj had to go fix up the ratchet strap we might totally have. i don't totally, know but no that was not when i slapped my arm i no? mean i've slapped my arm practicing before. since since then i'm most certain okay you've, you've been pretty good about not doing it i don't know because it really hurts it really really hurts you gotta make sure that you're gotta like picture it but you know you're holding your bow straight up and then you gotta twist that elbow out yep There's don't not... twist it in everybody has that tendency don't do that especially like the longbow thing you've been really good about not doing it but you've been working on some technique specific things like not collapsing on your shot and to just keep pulling just keep pulling pull through your shot and you've been doing really well, but yeah, that can get a little out of hand and that front arm extends a little too much. It's a self-correcting problem. You won't want to keep doing it, I can tell you that. It's pretty pretty hard on you. Yeah, it was. It like, I mean, it literally brought me to the ground and Timber was like, Mom, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, you still have a little bruise or a little welt on there, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's, it's really nice. It was deep. It was like a deep bruise. It didn't show up. So, so Judy uh, kind of said she just wanted to start there, and that sounds good to me. But basically, the topic we're covering today it has everything to do with archery. Somebody suggested some tips, tricks, tactics for shooting, just yeah, for that, shooting and practicing compound and traditional. That, that's what I meant to say, guys. That's exact, <laughs> those were my exact words. Y'all understood that, right? So... <laughs> I will use like this as just a shameless plug, and I've probably said this before, and I will beat this horse into the ground, but go find an archery shop that you trust. I don't care if it's Uncle Jim in the garage with his bow press because he knows what he's doing or seems to, or you know, if you're up around Albuquerque, there's a couple of great options. Uh, we love the guys up at Hit or Miss. They run a gigantic shop and have a ton of business and that's awesome we love to see the success but uh, you know I've heard a couple of people that weren't entirely satisfied and you know there's I used to work in a pro shop and here's here's the thing to that they see a ton of bows and a ton of people and a ton of faces and if they if most pro shops treated your bow like it was their own and did absolutely everything custom start to finish up 
up to down, top to bottom, you would you would absolutely be floored at how much they had to charge you to do that. That is a ton of hours and a ton of just uh, energy and time. And you know, it's not anything to do with hit or miss. Um, I'm using those guys because I feel like I trust them and I can use them as an example. They're a fantastic shop, but any shop, if you have guys that are finicky about, you know, certain things, they're not going to be extremely happy every time unless they are in there with their bow and spend the time in there with their bow in their hands. Uh, we used to have people at the shop all the time bring their bow to us for new strings and cables. And we would measure, you know, where their peep was and everything else put the new strings and cables on, tune the bow, put it into spec, and, you know, put their peep back where it was, get their peep rotation right, get an arrow flying well out of the bow, and they would come and, surprise, surprise, their old set of strings were just nasty and stretched and poor quality, so now their bow is pulling five pounds more than it was because their bus cable had stretched and their string had stretched too, so now all of a sudden they feel like they've got a shorter draw length than they did before. Or, you know something like that so um, just know that if you want to be a hundred percent happy with the shop you're using you're gonna have to make yourself part of the equation and be involved and it's not always the shop's fault so don't blame those guys um, where I was going with the name dropping I know some guys that use the archery shop in Albuquerque and seem to have great success like I said hit or miss is taking great care of us we really appreciate those guys if you're in the Roswell area, there's Kill Shot Outdoors, and they do some fantastic work as well. Uh, they've got a great indoor range. If you're on the eastern state line, closer to Texas, uh, Corbin's Archery down in, is it, where are they at? Seminole. Seminole, thank you. And they're opening a second shop in Lubbock here in a few months. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, and High Desert down in Las Cruces always do a great job as well. So uh, there's some awesome shop opportunities. We're really fortunate in this area to have some. And no matter where you're at in the country, there's somebody somewhere that is a bow ninja. Find them, become their friend, buy them donuts, buy them pizza, whatever, whatever they're into, and learn from them so you can do a lot of your own stuff. Judy's pointing out antelope too. He looked like a pretty nice buck right there. And, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be that finicky about your stuff too, learn to do it yourself. And I don't mean that as a negative. I'm that finicky. And I like to do my own stuff because of it. And Judy is always rolling her eyes and giving me a hard time because it seems like I am always fletching arrows right before I'm, Like the night before. And she's always shaking her head at me always give me a hard time but I'm I'm getting off off topic but uh, that's that's where to start with this is find a pro shop and shoot your bow and shoot your bow just do it make the mistakes get to know it so we have all come a long ways in technology and shared information and that's great but the guys that I learned from most of them had to teach themselves and that comes from twisting cables the wrong way or the string the wrong way and 
I don't recommend people like go just start playing, but YouTube is a fantastic source of information and you can pretty well vet who knows what they're talking about on there by follows and comments and likes and stuff like that. There's always going to be some haters that probably think they know better, but find somebody to follow and follow them. And they could always just get a mentor too. Someone yep. out there. And it's weird, like you, and likes to tell people <laughs> how to, not just tell, how to teach. You gotta find those people who like to teach and just really enjoy the same things as what you do and learning more. Now, I will have to admit, I'm not one of those people. You tell me what to shoot, where to shoot, how to shoot, I'm gonna do it. Now, if you tell me to loosen up my poundage or draw length or whatever that is not gonna happen my husband ain't doing it i ain't doing it <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a great point because you don't have to be a bow ninja or but, but i know one or right i mean <laughs> not not to pat myself on the back but i'm pretty confident in what i do there's people that absolutely know better than me but i'm still but you don't have to know what you're doing, but have somebody you trust. And that's where I was going with the pro shop thing. And if you want it to go beyond that, be open-minded to buying the tools, watching the videos, investing the time and doing it yourself. Now that doesn't have a ton to do with shooting, but that has a ton to do with accuracy because I've seen some of the best shots in the world shooting setups that wouldn't paper to. And I mean, they just, they just shot it. So a lot of it is personal skill, but setting yourself up for success with your equipment is going to be the foundation of the house. So if your bow can't shoot, then you're not going to be very good. So starting with good quality, doesn't have to necessarily be expensive gear, can be used gear. I'm extremely cheap or uh, value minded when it comes to a lot of things and you can spend spend more time on cheaper arrows and you can make them into good arrows or you can just buy great arrows out of the box and you don't have to spend the time so you're going to find yourself having more of one thing or the other money or time and that's up to you you can buy a great setup or you can build a great setup but that's the place to start so as far as shooting goes, you want to start out with compound stuff since we're talking about presses and all the technicalities? Yeah, so whenever I shoot my compound, I just pull it back and let it fly. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I had to. Okay, so the things that I have learned for sure about shooting my compound is definitely getting a release that fits very, very comfortably. And I actually uh, still the very first release that broke on me blew up on me did all the things wrong on me anyways I still have the the band because it has really fit my wrist and I have changed that out to the little hooky thing that I am <laughs> she switched it was a uh, quickie quickie release <laughs> yeah it, it was a different brand Sorry, I won't bash them because they make some great products and we were probably exceeding the purpose of that release when it broke uh, but it's a it's a buckle style wrist strap, so it's very repeatable the way that she uses it. 
and we put a different brand release head on it, which is the Carter Quickie. Yeah, Carter Quickie. See, I would I was getting there. I just forgot about the Carter part. Which is a hook style. It's not a caliper, so it, it hooks into the D loop rather than pinching. Yeah, into it. it's a hooky. Love it. It's great. <laughs> But anyways, um, if, if Judy's ever wandering around the house saying, hey, where's my little hooker? That's what she's talking about. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I do feel like it's really important. I mean, I know it's important to be very comfortable with your bow, but my release, I mean, it latches on the same way every time I hook it onto my loop. D-loop? D-loop, yep. D-loop every single time. Um, and I do it the exact same way every single time. And I am trying to be as self-conscious as possible with that. The fact that, I mean, if you're in a stressful situation, if you're not in a stressful situation, um, you want to put that on your bow consistent every time. Another thing that I look at or try to practice like constantly um, is the way I stand with my bow. Even if I'm like on my knees or however, I still set myself up the exact same way every time, regardless, because if not, that's whenever you get sloppy and you make bad shots. Um, of course, another thing is, is when you pull back your bow, um, is finding your anchor point. Um, I don't have a kisser button, but I think kisser buttons are amazing because then you know every single time where you're hitting with your again but that's just the nature of how we have to do this so uh, I think Judy was in the middle of her shot sequence and I'm gonna let her finish up and then I will probably go into a little more detail on what I think she's talking about or how I see it okay so um, after I do my anchor point um, and look through my peep sight and like I said a lot of people have different sides of peep sights um, don't know what size of my peep sight it is that I have. 316. 316th. But I feel like I've had a smaller one in the past and I didn't particularly like it. Um, it's all preference. But anyways, um, I look through my peep and then of course I look through my housing, uh, my sight housing, and 
spot. And I focus on that spot and I take a deep breath. And the reason why I take my deep breath is not to hold it, not to do anything, but I have the biggest problem of I get too excited and I punch my release. So as I take my deep breath and I'm letting it out, I slowly put my finger on my release and I kind of like hug it, give it like a little hug. And I try to do this every single time because if not, I will punch it. And I just kind of take another breath and then just follow through. I know you guys can't see this, but I just have my finger and I'm following through. I hope y'all understand that. <laughs> so, Judy is a great shot, a great archery shot. And like she mentioned, she does, she's a puncher. Uh, and she's been trying to break the habit. She's been working hard at it. But, uh, so she, she mentioned stance and how important that is. And that is a huge deal. It's not always a perfect world hunting. So it's something, you know, if you're shooting uphill, you might be on one knee in your uphill leg and have your lower leg extended. You might be on both knees, standing, crouched, sitting, whatever. And we practice out of all kinds of different situations. Um, but basically, which it's not always realistic, but <coughs> as, as much as possible, you want your body to stay the same from the waist up. And you want your weight to be distributed, you know, pretty evenly um, between your legs and uh, have, have your legs spread to, you know, shoulder width a little more. And for me, I like my feet configuration of, you know, perfect world to be kind of L-shaped. Um, you know, imagine your chest is basically perpendicular to your target. And <clears throat> so my rear leg, rear foot uh, is, you know, basically parallel. My, the inside of my foot parallel to my target. And my front foot is like 45 degree angle, toe pointed towards the target. But, uh, so stance is an important one. For me, one of the number one things I see people doing that really affects accuracy is changing their grip, messing with their grip. Uh, you know, we all get excited or frustrated or whatever might happen, but you know, in certain situations, your brain just dumps those endorphins and basically says, hey, aim harder. <laughs> and, you have a tendency to put a choke hold on your grip or you know bend it a goofy way or something and the main secret which is no secret of success with archery is to repeat the same thing over and over again it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be the same um, you know making it perfect or as close to perfect as possible is gonna make it easier to repeat but some of the best shots in the world I've seen do some pretty crazy stuff but uh, so that grip is an important one. Drawing back your anchor is a huge one. For me, uh, my anchor, I, I shoot a really short strap when I'm shooting a wrist release. And the reason I do that, my anchor stays almost exactly the same between a thumb button or a tension release or a trigger release uh, being a wrist release. Uh, and by a thumb button, I'm just talking about a thumb activated T-handle release. But for me, it's, I draw back and basically the 
big knuckle of my pointer finger, my index finger goes behind my jawbone into the little pocket behind my earlobe. And I tend to activate a uh, wrist release with my middle finger, which is not all that normal. Most people use their index finger. For me, it's just where it falls. Uh, I'm used to having something between my first and second finger anyway from shooting a T-handle release. Uh, I'm not telling anybody to do that. I'm just telling you what I do. That's not how Judy shoots. No, I was about to say, I, I, I forgot to tell y'all what finger I used. Yeah, you use the normal one. Uh, nose bigger finger. <laughs> yep, booger hook on the bank switch. There we go. So, uh, <laughs> either way, uh, find a repeatable spot on your face, basically, is the essential part of that. To put your knuckle, put your hand, something, and do it the same every time. And uh, for both of us, our nose, the string crosses the front of our nose. So we put very light pressure with our nose right on the pad, right in the front of your nose, right between the nostril holes. Should touch your string very lightly. It's very intimidating to get used to at first. It, yeah, I mean, especially, you know, people get an idea the string is like ripping away at 300 and something feet per second. You know, you don't want to put your nose like between the bow and that string but you're not doing that. You're putting your nose on the back of the string, but it gives you a second point of reference. Uh, there's some great products out there. Judy mentioned a kisser button. Some people find a kisser button extremely helpful. Um, personally, I don't like the added weight and problem of that, but it could come off and I could lose that or whatever. Some people tie a knocking point out of serving thread for their nose to touch because that string's just a little far for them, they don't want to dip their head to it. Uh, they want it to come across, you know, which arguably I, I think maybe they could just do an extra quarter inch of draw length, but um, you know, they do what works for them. Um, Bomar Archery makes what they're calling the nose button now, which is to achieve what we're talking about, but it's basically like a shrunk down kisser button to touch your nose to. But whatever product you find helpful, Anything that makes your shot repeatable is, is all we're after. But there's two major factors that people tend to monkey up one shot to the next, and that's their grip and their anchor point. Um, I mentioned the whole aim harder aspect earlier. That nose pressure can be one of those things. Uh, also, your anchor point. If you don't have a really consistent anchor point, you might like try to draw the bow a little harder one time to the next. And especially if you have a bow that has like a cable stop cam system where it rolls around in the cables, you might can draw that bow extra hard and get an extra half inch draw length out of it. It's really going to affect the way your arrow flies. So be cautious on that. Uh, Judy and I both shoot 316 peep sizes. Judy said she thought she had a smaller one in the past than she may have. Uh, I think maybe more realistically what was happening is we didn't quite have her drawings figured out. So it's probably the same size of peep further away from her face, which makes it seem smaller. So peep size is very important for a couple of reasons. We're talking about all these references to make sure it's the same time and time again. Another one of those references is you want your peep sight diameter to match the diameter of your sight housing. For me, I like it to match the outside diameter so I can see my sight housing ring 
So it goes from peep sight to sight housing ring, and then I've got my pins in the middle. Um, you see target archers tend to shoot a smaller peep sight because they tend to shoot smaller scope housing. Um, one thing you can do, a lot of people don't have this down very perfectly, but you can you know, get one that's comfortable to you, that's pretty close, and then most sites have... Sorry. Judy's getting bored of my rambling and watching I was not getting bored. Media. I was going to record us. <laughs> I was going to record us recording. On TikTok. I was. I want them to be the same ah! She can't stop now. <laughs> she is a TikTok addict. She won't quit watching. She watches it constantly. I'm just looking for new ideas. <laughs> but, so, there's usually some variants on you can slide a sight in and out front to back whether it's a dovetail or a fixed bracket sight and he can't even help it he has to look at himself and smile whenever i do a tiktok sorry guys yeah i'm checking to make sure i don't have boogers or something you know but uh that makes the sight look bigger or smaller and you can make it match your beep sight i've also Adjusted. They have some awesome. I think it's specialty archery. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Has some clarifier peeps that have like screw-in inserts. So you can buy one peep. It's a little more expensive, but you can change the size. But I think that's enough on that. But basically, find a repeatable process that you can do every time. Stressful, not stressful sitting, standing, up or down, whatever, and try to repeat that. Like Judy was talking about, your release hand is super important. Um, I've seen guys like completely wheels come off the bus, double clutch and smack it. And you know, that works sometimes, but when it doesn't work, that's when you get guys that are throwing, you know, four arrows down range and three of them are like pretty close to the dot and then one of them is two feet above the target up in the wood and they're like I don't know what happened that's what happened usually they freak out their release hand is doing things they can't control or haven't learned to control and they're doing something that is referred to as corrective bow arming which you know basically just means that they're throwing their forward arm all over the place just trying to get that pin to get back in the target somewhere and it doesn't work out for them so learning to execute a shot correctly, I won't call it a surprise shot because in my mind, I don't like to be surprised by my shot. I want to know when it's going to go off. So to some extent, I guess people that use tension style releases would call me a puncher. I'm fine with that, but I'm putting a slow, consistent amount of pressure on my release, no matter what I'm using until it fires and if they want to call that punching then that's fine and they can probably outshoot me on a target but I'm pretty happy for the results I get in the field and uh, we both choose to shoot wrist releases most of the time I shoot a thumb button some just kind of break my habits up to kind of relearn my setup but that's not for everybody some people prefer it I don't like keeping up with them in a hunting situation I like having it attached to me but other than that, basically, it 
exactly what Judy said. Shoot your bow. Um, learn to paper tune. I purposefully make some janky paper tuning setups and post some of it to my social media. Uh, a chair, like a kitchen chair with an open back, you can get some newspaper, some masking tape, tape it to that, put a target behind it, you can paper tune. Um, don't expect a shop to do that. Usually the guy at the shop will run some arrows through it to paper tune it, but paper tune to one person versus the next doesn't stay the same. So even that, like like Judy says, she's not real finicky about her setup. She trusts me to make it right. So I paper tune it to myself and I'll bear shaft tune to myself. But eventually we have to get Judy involved and she has to stand out there and do what she doesn't necessarily like to do and shoot just monotonous shots through paper until we know what's going on. So. But it works. But hey, there are some things we like and some things we don't, and that's okay. Judy really likes shooting at animals. I really do. Can't <laughs> so help it. It's easier it's... to shoot at an animal than it is a target. Anybody else have that problem? I do. I like shooting everything. I like shooting dots, foam, it don't matter. I like shooting my bow. So... That's a good problem to have, but Judy gets a little bored sometimes, and that's okay. I don't blame her for it. But anyways, like I said, you don't have to be mastermind of all. Uh, whatever you do, if you do start looking at tuning videos and stuff, don't move your rest way out of center to try to accommodate a bad arrow tune. Tuning an arrow to a setup is as important or more important than tuning the bow. So if you're having to like slide your arrow rest way over left or right to make an arrow, I mean, I'm not talking about a 16, that's okay with me. I can live with that. Um, but if you're like half an arrow shot, arrow shaft width to the inside or outside a quarter inch or more, don't do it. <laughs> that means your arrow's not spined right or there's something else going on. So just, just don't put your arrow rest way out of whack. I don't want to get anybody hurt. Um, with them trying to learn to tune their own bows. So. Oh, um, speaking of getting hurt, um, if anybody's a part of social media, I'm certainly all have seen like the the people with the arrows through their hands and all that good stuff. Ugh, brutal. Flex and, your arrows. Yeah. Test them. Test them arrows. Make sure they're not broken. Please do not run an arrow through your hand. You need that hand. How many shots do you think you have gotten out of each one of your arrows from your last dozen? How many times have you shot each one of them? Oh, no, a lot. A hundred times each? Or know. more? A lot. Or more? And what does that arrow cost to start with? Ten or twelve bucks? Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about cents, like pennies per shot that that arrow was getting. Yeah. It's costing you. Don't, don't try to make one work that's not, <laughs> not worthy to be worked. No, I mean got your use out of it step on it break it in half throw it in the garbage mark it do something so you don't accidentally shoot it i've seen so many people slide a broken arrow back into their quiver just because they wanted to keep it or something yeah i mean and look at your rod heads and your veins and just look at everything yep it all affects it it really does inspect your equipment judy yeah, inspect your equipment definitely look at your bow strings 
Judy likes to undermine herself a little bit and tease about how it's not her deal, and it's really not. But she knows how her bow works, and she knows what everything on her bow. She knows where it goes, what it's supposed to look like. And if it's out of place, she's going to know it. She notices. And yeah, but I couldn't tell you what it's called. <laughs> but, I mean, we're, we're, we even, like, put marker marks on our stuff to see if it's slid out of spot, whatever. Yeah, that's really important. I love to say there's nothing more frustrating than, because my, um, oh my goodness, my housing, whatever. Site housing? My site, like, my site can go up to. Oh, it's a movable. Yeah. It's very movable. There's nothing more frustrating than your sight moving whenever you're shooting. Yeah, I and think. Because, because you just didn't pay attention when you took it out of the bow case. Or because you have a two and a half year old little girl that likes to walk around and turn knobs on things that look like it has knobs on it to be turned while you're both sitting on the table. <laughs> but whatever the case might be, double check, triple check. It's going to save you a lot of heartache in the long run. I feel like we're kind of beating this to death. But Sorry. Guys, another thing that I want to talk about has nothing to do with archery. Well, I guess it does because it definitely affects our hunting season is we need some rain. Yeah. We, this Gila fire is nasty. Awful. And the northern fire, it, I mean, it doesn't affect us as much directly because it's we're not, not up there. The line of the smoke, but... but Good grief, those poor folks. There's a ton yeah, of terrible. ton of people affected by these fires already this season. And we're not even close to our we're not even close. reasonable monsoon season. And this wind, I'm sure y'all can hear it guys. Like it's horrible. I just I just wanna say, I mean I'm gonna pray for rain and pray for our firefighters and pray for the people who've lost houses or land or cattle and good grief. I'm just praying for everything right now because and use some common sense. Stay out of the woods if you can help it. We love to be in the woods as much as anybody, but they're putting stage three fire restrictions on a bunch of the forests. And, and take it serious. Quite frankly, I think the rest of them need to follow. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I want to be able to go out and camp. I don't want anybody telling me what I can and can't do on public land any more than the next guy. But, I mean, we're seeing people out there. Yeah, but we need a forest to camp. Yeah, we're seeing people out. I mean, we got a couple of big weekends coming up, and people get stupid and they build big bonfires because they're from the city and aren't paying attention. And I use that as a generic thing to blame city folks, but I mean, our folks that are up in the mountains using chainsaws and stuff like that, trying to get some of this work done, they're running risk just as much. So just just be cautious. And like yeah, Judy said, pray for rain and grief i mean we didn't draw a lot of tags this year but no but i feel bad for some of the people who've drawn yeah, tags it's kind of a good year to not draw tags are burned. Good grief. which if we get some good rain they might be excellent hunting habitat by the yeah. time season rolls around but yeah and i hope it like i want it to rain but i want it to like really soak up i don't want it to be like hard rain and give a bunch of flash flooding i know i'm being picky about the rain now yeah, just I sound like an old person now. Back in my day. You're getting there. You're getting there. What do what do they call the generation behind us that's always telling ladies your age not to wear their pants and wear their hairstyles and stuff that way? Gen or Gen Xers or something? Gen Y? Gen, Gen X and Y is 
is past us. We're millennials. Are we? And then there's baby boomers. It's it's always the millennials' fault though, right? No matter what. I know. I think. Okay. It's so sad. Just making sure, because we're. It's, it always is our, our, it's always millennials' fault. It is our problem because we're the one that took out the student loans, I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, I'm making jokes now. but uh, So, Every, some, some real broad spectrum. I'm going to paint with a really wide brush here and try not to stop me if I get way off topic. But I'm going to like just give a general idea, in my opinion, of what is most important for quality compound setup it's not the brand new bows I love the shops they need your business so go buy a brand new bow but I've seen guys that could shoot the brakes off of most of us with used older bows like Judy said repeatable things her release is how she referred to that for me it's my sight I I don't want to get away from my sight I don't want a new sight I like my sight I don't want anything to mess up that uh, get used to what you're shooting and learn to love it and you know upgrade the things that need upgraded but repeatability is the key so even when I switch bows I usually keep my same accessories so quality accessories and for me one of the most important things of a quality bow system is arrows and your broadheads like if <laughs> I don't care how much your bow costs and how much the accessories cost if you shoot a run-of-the-mill cheap broadhead that is going to break you're not going to kill stuff very well and anything that you screw to the front end of your arrow better be pretty high quality or be tuned to it or it's not going to be able your arrow can't steer the thing the right way and if your arrow is losing a ton of energy trying to make that broadhead fly, then it's not going to be a very effective or efficient arrow. And if your arrow is not straight <laughs> or not spined correctly, it's not going to fly straight. So arrow and broadhead is super, super important. Being able to repeat your shot is super, super important. And your bow is somewhere like third or fourth down the list, in my opinion. So take that for what it's worth. If you are having a hard time shooting, but your bow is comfortable, find something else to improve on. That's just my two cents. Judy and I are both shooting bows that are pretty new, but what? How, how old are they? 2019? 2018? I don't know. They're, they're not brand new. They're a few years old. And they still... I can't shoot better than my bow. I can't outshoot my bow. So uh, I can shoot the difference on super cheap arrows versus super high-end arrows. I can't shoot the difference between my bow versus this year's latest and greatest bow. It might have a little bit more comfortable draw cycle, a little more let off, something like that. And if that floats your boat, by all means, save up and upgrade and support our local businesses. But like I said, take that for what it's worth. It might be time for a bow upgrade for you. For me, it's like every two to six years, somewhere in that range, that I like to upgrade bows. Um, I like some of the new toys out on the market, but I covered that in my last podcast that I did by myself. Sorry if any of you guys suffered through that, but take it for what it's worth.
Are we on the traditional stuff? I think we might have to save that for next time. Okay. So, you have any anything you want to wrap up with? Any thoughts? I'm looking for us new uh, microphones. Microphones. I was told the ones where there's like a headset and a wraparound mic. See those are pretty sweet. But I was told that from somebody who I don't know what they were using them for. If it was for podcasting or what. I don't know. I feel like we need to do something different besides our teeny tiny little mics. What do y'all think? That was one of the suggestions I got. I put out like, how's everybody liking the podcast? Any suggestions? Meaning topics? And that was like the number one. louder. (laughs) That was like the number one suggestion that came through. It wasn't anything to do with topics. So... All right, let's see. I'm going to say on the broadhead front, just general thing. We're fixed blade folks for the most part. We shoot mechanicals a little bit, but if you want any specifics on that, I could bore you to death. Reach out, send a message. I'm not gonna do that on this unless somebody asks me to cover it directly. And if you do, you're a glutton for punishment. So until then, hope you drew some tags let us know what you drew we're getting excited we're always excited i hope we get to shoot a couple of 3ds soon i'm gonna quit rambling happy hunting guys (laughs) talk to you later